everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. How should you be thinking about creative advertising strategy as a brand? What will work now and into 2023? On today's episode, I sat down with Alexa Kilroy, the head of brand at Triple Whale. She dives into what she's noticing in the ad industry, which strategies are working, which are not, data inaccuracies within the ad platforms, and her advice for brands over the coming year. We also had a fun chat around the D2C reality TV show they produced, which features products from many of the guests that we've had on the show, and sounds like it's going to be some pretty juicy content. I hope you enjoy the episode. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Alexa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is super rad. I know. I'm glad to have you in our studio. Yeah. We have not had enough people here to enjoy it's epicness. Hardcore. I Off camera, I said that this is arguably nicer than my own <laughs> home. So you might catch me moving in. I can rent it out on Airbnb <laughs> here and there and make a little extra source of income, you know? Yeah, I love that. So a lot of times I go into people's backgrounds and their company and all this. But with you, I want to start a little bit different because I saw something very interesting around a reality TV show that you're starting. And I'm hoping we can start there because there's not been one guest I've had on the show that is doing a reality TV show. And I am like, that's a guilty pleasure of mine. So <laughs> can we go into like, what are you doing in this space? Why? Tell me all the behind the scenes details. Yes. So contextually, I'm Alexa. I'm head of brand at Triple Whale. <laughs> For anyone and, who wants to know. Okay. <laughs> um, and Triple Whale has nothing to do with reality TV okay. or production. Um, we are a SaaS platform mm -hmm. uh, for e-commerce businesses that run on Shopify uh, in like the data analytics attribution MarTech world. Um, but our CMO, before I was even hired, I started in May, had a crazy idea. And he was like, 
every time we watch reality TV shows, all those sponsorships, all those brands are, you know, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Burger King, et cetera. He's like, we have, you know, a client profile of thousands of brands now. What if we, as a means to get them content and do something really cool for our business, uh, spin up a reality TV show, feature creators within the e-commerce space. So essentially performance ad UGC creators live in a penthouse for four days and everything they eat, drink and touch besides what came in the rented penthouse was a D2C product, one of our clients. And so we did it. It was- Oh, you've already done it. Oh yeah, we did it. Okay. We did it. It's currently, I think, September 7th, 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are doing a pre-launch like watch party this Friday with the first episode dropping next week. Um, The episodes are around 15 minutes long. So it's four episodes in total. I think one is a little bit longer, maybe the closer. And it was super fun. It was also like the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. I I watched reality TV and I think as much as we all call it a guilty pleasure, we Mm -hmm. kind of like respectfully think it's a little bit like trash TV. It is the hardest thing in the world to actually do. You're Mm -hmm. just running around. Everything everyone is doing is effectively somewhat interesting at all times. And, you know, we're not a we're not a company like a cable company. Right. So we're not NBC producing a TV show or MTV. We had a small film crew, um, an onsite director, myself producing. And it was just running around like, that's interesting. Get that. Get that. Make sure that's rolling. Get that. Um, But yeah, it was the craziest four days of my life. They're actually behind the scenes shots of me like passed out in a corner somewhere because at some point I just ran out of energy and had to emergency nap. But it came out really amazing. And we had 50 brands that participated. We had two sponsors that helped us pull it together. It was the wildest ride ever. (laughs) Okay, what were some of, since it'll already be out when this episode goes out, what were some of the brands? And then who were some of the founders or creators that were there? Yeah, so the brands are all DTC brands, all of our clients. So like Huron, which is men's skincare. We we had them on the show. Yeah, let's see see if we've had them all on. Um, Jambies. Yep, had them on the show. Amazing. We had... A really awesome company called Eastern Standard Provisions, um, which makes pretzels. They're like gourmet pretzels. They heat up. We had Olipop, Flying Embers Hard Kombucha, a brand called Hoplark that makes sparkling water with hops that is essentially an alcohol alternative. We had tons of alcohol brands. So Wink, which is a wine company, gave us one of their brands, Summer Water Rosé. We worked with their rosé all weekend. Like literally 50 brands. I yeah. can keep going. That's like but... some of the most fun brands. I mean, I'm thinking about some of these founders too. Like oh, yeah. the Jambies guy. He's like so much fun. A hoot. I mean, yeah. for anyone who wants to go listen to his episodes, he's just hilarious and funny. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to try and figure it out. I'm doing the best I can here. Like super authentic. That. So you yeah. picked good people. Okay. Yeah. And then they had all the products there. Yeah. So they shipped us all the products. We like negotiated how to get their brand featured in things for sending us product for free. They got inclusion in the whole project in addition to UGC content from the six creators that were essentially the reality stars. And so they're all like high performing uh, performance ad creators. So one of which is Dara Denny. She's like a big YouTuber. Kristen Jones, who is uh, director of marketing at Suit Shop, which is a big e-com brand. Sonia Robinson, she's like a big fitness and health Instagram content creator. And then we had three guys, two of which are kind of rookies in this space, Ryan and Reed. Ryan is kind of a catch-all, makes content for anyone. Reed most recently worked with Outway Socks as their like full-time TikTok guy. And then Liam Cass, who's actually based in the UK, he works with an agency that does performance creative and has tons of experience. He's such a delight. He's like this just absolute, you just want to squeeze him. He's so much fun. But we just had such a blast and they made such amazing content for these brands. The episodes are so cool. Like 
I was watching them on my couch the other night, I, like airplayed it to my TV and I was oh, like crying. I, I want to like, see. I want a before the viewing viewing party. Okay, we'll get you in. We'll yeah. get you in. VIP access. <laughs> so were there any like crunchy moments when filming this or we were like, oh, we can't even like put that in. I mean, I think about the stuff that really happens on reality TV show and I'm like, was four days enough to really get like some yeah, juicy you know, things or? We definitely got some like juicy fun stuff. Definitely a lot of fun. You know, they were, we, we had a bunch of alcohol brand sponsor. We took them to a club. You were on a yacht, right? We were on a yacht. Yeah. So like they were drinking. Bougie. So yeah. Yeah. It was bougie vibe. I gave them like a hardcore brand mama talk when they arrived. Like, you know, these are the absolute no's. Mm-hmm. Keep your clothes on. All that kind ah, of stuff. So boring. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have any like major issues, but I would say probably like we had some funny things happen. Um, like for example, when they went out to the bars, one of uh, the guys, Liam, this bachelorette gave him her like white cowboy mm-hmm. bachelorette hat. So it just makes many cameos yeah. throughout the whole thing. So <laughs> funny. It's like, why is he wearing that white sparkly cowboy hat? It's like kind of stole it from someone yeah. at the bar. But yeah, that's so a good story. we had a lot of a lot of great moments from it. And we also did the kind of like confessionals bit so that they went and got to talk about their experience with the other creators, their experience at the house. So there are these really cool snippets of them just kind of like chopping it up with the camera inter- intertwined, which is awesome. You know, I'm thinking about it from your perspective or triple whale perspective. When thinking about doing this, like, how did you think about KPIs or what are we trying to drive towards? Because, I mean, we see it right now, like every brand's trying to become a media company. Every media company is trying to become a brand. Everyone's trying to get into this branded content space. Most don't know how to do it well, I would say, when I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, that's too branded or that has no goals. I don't know if that'll even work. So like, how did you guys go about thinking, you know, we're not only going to make epic, fun content and involve all these, you know, customers or people we want to like deepen relationships with. And we have a couple goals, if you did, around this content. Like, what did that look like? Yeah. So I would say thinking about like our our general marketing strategy, our three pillars are content, community and education. And this one kind of hit all three of them for us. So obviously we are producing content not only for our brand, but we also generated content for our clients, which is amazing for them. And, you know, the cost of production, like even doing something like this podcast, right, you know, it's a heavy lift. And so getting them high, you know, really well produced content, getting them content they probably would have paid creators for that was a win for them and just deepens our, you know, our relationship with our clients that we're willing to do things like that to support them. Community, same thing, really lifting up our community. You know, we chose some big name heavy hitter brands. And then we chose some brands that are probably lesser known, really emerging in the space uh, to give them, a, you know, leverage our network in a way to give them some voice. And then education kind of comes in in this fun part where the whole purpose of this show is really to give the behind the scenes of what happens in this content production world where, you know, you're paying some UGC creator on the internet $500 to make clips for you. And I think there's often a disconnect between the people who sign those contracts and the people who create the content and knowing what actually goes into the process. And so filming that whole thing, like watching people with tripods, try and get crispy, beautiful shots on a yacht while it's moving, like I think gives a lot of insight into all the world that goes behind the creation of this performance ad creative, which I think is really valuable for the industry to have. For our brand as a whole, in terms of KPIs, admittedly, like it was just a really fun, you know, I don't want to say stunt, but like marketing play for us. You know, we know that we are in this industry where e-commerce is a very young industry. Like even some of the biggest brands that we have, you know, their founders are usually under 40. And so our whole philosophy with all things Triple Whale is like, keep it light, keep it fun. You know, you don't have to use a, you're good. You don't have to use like a data platform and hate it. Like you can get a lot out of it and 
get, you know, access to a community and enjoy the design and the experience of it. Creating something like this that's kind of wonky and fun is totally part of that. And then, you know, of course, there are going to be some actual KPIs like, you know, email capture and things like that as it relates. But for the most part, it was really, you know, we really value our clients and we want to lift up this community. Our whole philosophy behind Triple Whale is helping e-commerce owners and entrepreneurs grow and scale. And this is just a really fun out of the box lever for us to do that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so this might be too behind the scenes question, but what is the budget range for something like this? Like, and I know obviously y'all went super bougie with yachts and four days staying in a penthouse, Austin's not cheap. But like if a company were to think about what kind of budget range should I expect to be able to create a series like this? How many episodes was it? Ten? Four. Four. It was four. Just okay. Four. So like what kind of range should we expect? You know. At least 40 to 50K. And okay. that's if you're doing it slim, slim. Like That seems slim. Yeah, we okay. did it slim with a small production company. The space that we rented is is insane. It's actually downtown in Austin. It's totally hidden. It's across from the Paramount Theater. Okay. You would never notice it's there. It's this four-story insane penthouse. Who's living there? Through. Yeah, where did you no find one. it? It's through. So if you aren't familiar, you know, there's Airbnb, there's yeah. VRBO, and then there's Avant Stay. I'm not a bit. No, yeah. I'm apparently not bougie enough to be on Avant Exactly. Stay. Like they're not targeting us because the, the income bracket for people that probably rent yep. these Avant Stay is, is like disgusting. <laughs> but um, yeah, super bougie. And, you know, that was kind of a hefty cost. And then, you know, we we used things like getmyboat.com to rent a yacht. Um, we rented out okay. event spaces, you know, it wasn't cheap. We had yep. some great sponsors who helped us make it happen that we've incorporated. You know, we did a whole six course private chef meal for them that racked up pretty hefty budget. But at the end of the day, you know, this is like a totally legendary thing that we're doing. No one in our space is doing it. No other attribution or tech company is doing it. And sometimes just being the one that, you know, people can gravitate to because not only is your product good, but you know, you're cool, good people that do cool, good things worth it. And it'll pay dividends. And I feel very confident that this is one of those things because Ever since we announced that we were starting this project, it's been top of mind yep. yeah. for a lot of people all the time. I mean, even you. That's I know. How we so I'm like, here. we're starting here. We're not going to do the normal <laughs> thing here. I'm going where I want to go. Yeah. No, forge it. I love the path. Yeah. I cannot wait to see it. So yeah, when it's ready to share, I can't Got wait you. supporting it. We're going to do all that. Okay. So now I will allow us to shift into Triple Whale. I want to hear about, you know, what is it if I'm someone who has knows nothing about this? Like, how do I envision what Triple Whale is and what does it do and how can it help me? Yeah, totally. So Triple Whale is what we call an e-commerce operating system. And so what we're doing and what we're building, I think is kind of a longer story. But what we're doing right now is we link up with your Shopify, all of your digital marketing channels, lots of other things you probably use, like Gorgeous, for example, for customer support. We pull all your data into a unified dashboard that you can super customize. You can view it on desktop or on mobile. And at any point, you can get real-time, you know, actionable data insights on what you want to do for your business next with pretty much anything. We started with that, and then we built out a first-party pixel in light of the iOS 14.5 chaos, which helps people with data attribution. So a lot of people are getting that kind of black box of lost data back through that. That pixel has been a huge hit. And it kind of just, we built it at the right place at the right time. And as we've continued to build, we're essentially building out features and functions that all the things that you would normally comb through spreadsheets and have to analyze and find, we're just throwing it up there for you in a really easy to visualize way. So for example, you know, your path of touch points to conversion. So all the stops in the customer journey, how many people are converting at touch point one versus the add to the email versus the add to the email, so the SMS. Um, showing you the products that people are most likely to bundle or come back and repurchase. 
lots of things that you would just do so much number crunching for. Since we built out those two core pieces, the dashboard and the pixel, then from there, we've added on um, what we call the Affluencer Hub, which is essentially data and analytics on your influencers and your affiliate marketers. Super easy to visualize. So like anybody in your team, even if they're like an intern, can go in and figure out, you know, who's crushing, who's tanking, where to spend the money. And then similarly, a creative cockpit, which provides detailed insights, not only on each actual ad creative, but, um, you know, overall, are static images performing best? Are things from this creator performing best? So you can make decisions. And sneak peek of what's coming soon, um, we're adding in some resources and some features for people to manage their cash flow and their finances, because that's been a big ask. So integrating with Plaid, so you can link your banking and all that good stuff. We've had a lot of requests for Amazon integration. So knock on wood, that's coming soon. Uh, But really trying to build out this operating system so that everything that you would probably do in a spreadsheet using multiple different apps and different integrations, it all lives in one tab. It makes your life a lot easier and you save a lot of time. Hmm, That's great. I mean, this is a question I've been asking. I think I'm almost 300 episodes in on this show and I'm always asking people, how do you track what you're doing here and there? And how do you bring it all together? And a lot of custom built dashboards. Why didn't this exist? If you know, like, why didn't this exist before Triple Whale? Because to me, it was such an obvious solution. I'm like, it all needs to be in one spot. Everyone needs to be able to see the data in one spot. But why wasn't it here? To be fair, there have always been integrations, you know, like um, like Zapier, Zapier yep. things that you can pull into spreadsheets. A lot of people are using Google Data Studio, but there's a heavy lift in setting it up yourself. It's expensive and it's time consuming to build. The way Triple Whale came about is really because our co-founders were running an e-com business of their own and they were sick of doing this all in spreadsheets. And they were like, we want to build something for ourselves, solve value in it for other people, reach out to other people. Would you use this? Yes. As that was being built, the attribution situation hit. So we built that really quickly to support. And so it's just been like catching the market at the right times. And as we move forward, the way that we literally build product is, you know, in addition to our own ideas and what we think is valuable, we'll throw up something in the app that's like thumbs up, thumbs down. If we built this, would you use it? Is this valuable for you? And we literally like crowdsource things to help us determine what's coming in our pipeline. And so I think because we're kind of leveraging that and we're very in the e-commerce market ourselves, talking to customers constantly, um, we know what we need to build. And so we're just building, thankfully, I mean, we have incredible developers, but we're building really fast and we're capturing attention really fast, which is helping us to continue grow, growing more quickly. And I also just consistently hear, you know, our attribution solution people like it more than others. But beyond that, when our product was being built, we hired just this master designer, uh, Zachary Murray, who is just actually a creative genius. And the way that he's built everything, it's so easy to understand visually that like anyone in your company can go into your trip whale and understand what's going on. And that does not exist for many of our competitors. A lot of it is still a lot of crunching, a lot of chaos, a lot of analysis paralysis. And so because we built kind of this visual first product, people are very much gravitating towards Triple L. So the one thing I saw on your guys' website was showing like ROAS on Facebook saying this, and then Triple Whale shows this. And here's, you know, another tool like your ad account says this, and it's actually like this. I mean, I didn't even realize there was that massive of a difference sometimes of like what's reported versus what it really is. So tell me a bit about those differences and how, you know, maybe marketers are being led the wrong way oftentimes, especially if your numbers are like 50% wrong or 150% wrong. Like why and... Yeah, what are you seeing? Yeah, so it depends on every platform. But basically, every platform uses their own formula or algorithm, for lack of a better word, for trying to 
fill the gaps in the missing data that happened as a result of iOS 14.5. So they're essentially modeling data. They're giving you their best guess combined with the data that they have. It ends up inflating the data. Everybody wants to tell you like, hey, I'm Facebook and I'm the reason that conversion was made. But then you also see on Google and you also see on TikTok, I'm the reason that conversion was made. And so when the rollout happened, one of the solutions for people was to use really detailed UTM parameter tracking. Still didn't cover the gap because that's last click based. So if somebody clicks, you know, the UTMs are there, they go do some other stuff, they go take care of their kids for an hour, they come back, they scroll five other websites, you're still not going to get that level of, of conversion tracking. And so basically, unless you're using your own data from your own website, you're not going to have accurate attribution. And what we found is that, you know, Facebook and all these different platforms, either over-report or under-report, then people are scaling up spend or scaling down spend. They're losing money. They're wasting money. And so the way that Triple Whale works with our pixel is essentially think of it like a video camera on your store. There's custom code that you put on your store. And then there's also like links that you use in your various platforms. And while Facebook can't collect data and give it to you anymore, if people willingly come to your website and visit it, you can collect that data. Those people exist as basically like a string of code. Um, and once they convert, then they turn into a person and a profile in Triple Whale. So you're using your own data, totally legal, in order to make those links and make those connections again. And so even if somebody hits, you know, five different ad platforms and two emails, they're still going to be that same code until they convert. And now they're, you know, Jennifer Smith once they convert. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine, who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. So that's essentially handling your first-party data strategy by getting them just to be on your website and then understanding everything you need to about them instead of trying to rely on the platforms to show me who... To give it back, yeah. Got it. Okay, very smart. So then how how do you help brands bring people to their website? Because that's my first thought is like so many brands have been reliant on Facebook, Instagram, using all the platforms to get any new customers to then say, okay, now we need to try and get people onto your website and actually focus on that. Because I hear this, I don't know if you've heard the same thing where people are saying websites won't even be a thing anymore. Like now it's going to be headless. And now it's just going to be like, you're going to buy on these different platforms and like, we won't even need websites. But then I'm thinking, well, we might if that's the best way to get data. So how are you that's working? That's bold. Hey, some that's people say it, take. so I don't yeah, know. We've got, some, we've got some bold guests who come on this show who yeah. make some good claims. So, but yeah, what do you think? I mean, to clarify, you're still driving traffic through those marketing channels, right? So you're still using Facebook ads to get people to your website. Yeah. Then they become that string of code. Instead of selling on Facebook, which I guess what they're talking about is like selling directly there. Yeah. That's the end point. Yeah. I mean, our customers have Shopify websites and 
that's how the platform works. And like the everything works from Shopify, you know, communicating with your various ad platforms to make sure we can track all those purchases. But it it has all the things, right? So it's got your email, your SMS, your organic, your Google search and display and all that stuff. I think people are still going to have websites. Shopify is growing year over year. I was doing a webinar this morning and I think it was like something like five or 600 billion in GMV last year alone on Shopify in terms of like transactions that they were processing, which is enormous. So if anything, I'm seeing more folks spin up Shopify stores and build websites than sell through retailers. Though I will say in light of the iOS things and people be becoming more mindful of supply chain, shipping, all those sorts of things that sort of happened end of last year, there's been a notable shift into retail. So people are investing like maybe 30% of their inventory towards retail. Who's to say if it's going to grow or not? I think it really depends on how we close out 2022 and if people see the ROI there for them or if they want to go back to digital, given that their data clarity is better again. But I mean, I don't think websites are going away and no one is giving up on Facebook or TikTok advertising. We're seeing continuous growth and scale. I think between Q1 and Q2 of this year alone, we saw 60% increase in TikTok ad spend, 231% since last year. Like people are still spending and they're still using those platforms to drive traffic to their sites. Got it. So you guys obviously can see a lot of behind the scenes data. I mean, have you seen any big shifts over the past couple of months when it comes to platforms people are using or different strategies they're using that you're like, this is working for our customers or any, yeah, secrets you can share? Lots of things. I mean, I definitely just I want the spewed out some like <laughs> statistics still in my brain from this morning, but okay. the overall TLDR is Facebook is still king. People are still investing. People are, though they scaled back last year, they're scaling back up again and they're scaling up again month over month in terms of ad spend growth. Google is actually getting significant amount of ad spend growth. I think between Q1 and Q2, they grew like 20% in ad spend growth. And that's because the efficacy of retargeting on platforms has become basically garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so people are now using Google search in order to leverage for their retargeting. TikTok is growing like wildfire. Uh, small to medium-sized e-com brands are leveraging it the most because the costs are lower there. So it's quickly, quickly scaling. And I think provided that they continue doing as well as they're doing and there's no massive breakage, I could see it you know, in a year or two getting really close to where Facebook's at as people continue to diversify their spend. Snapchat, God bless them. Snapchat's still doing good? They're not. Oh, I was, I was like, I was wow, going. I'm so surprised. <laughs> I was going to say, if you look at the numbers, like Snapchat just is, it's like the slowest Titanic I've ever seen. RIP, I wish them all the best, but I just don't think people are using Snapchat besides anything, like maybe kids sending each other selfies and like messages they don't want their parents to yeah. read because yeah. they disappear. And so they're, the ad spend is just not kicking there. Definitely a huge uptick in both email and SMS, though. I think a lot of people, when Facebook was kind of this like put money in, take money out ATM machine, people kind of slept on email and SMS. And SMS is crushing and skyrocketing right now. um, And people are starting to invest back into email again. And a lot of providers like Klaviyo are now starting to offer both email and SMS to become an all-in-one solution kind of to that point of that growth. So definitely notable there. SMS seems like such an obvious solution, but I'm like, why aren't more brands doing it? Because to me, I'm, I think about my phone number. It has not changed since I was 14. Yeah. Not once. Thanks. For anyone who wants to contact me, you probably, <laughs> if I knew you in seventh grade, I know you now. My old high school bullies. Yeah. Like, come on back. <laughs> I'm here. Come at me. But like, I'm always curious. I'm like, the smaller brands seem to get it. Like the smaller ones that come on here, they talk about it, Like, that's a big opportunity. We're exploring that. It's the 
larger ones that it seems like it's still not something they really want to look into yet. They're still focused on email. Why do you think that is? Because I, I just think it's such a good opportunity to connect with someone one-on-one if you can offer them something good. Yeah. One, there's definitely a philosophy of like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I think a lot of people are like, if things are going well and the economy is kind of iffy right now, I might not want to like reserve test spend towards launching a new channel when I don't have 100% guarantee that it's going to kick off fast enough to make the cost worth it right now. So that's definitely, I would say, a thing that's happening in this particular current economic climate. It also requires just someone who like understands how to make SMS crush. You know, it's short, snappy copy. You can't like hit people with the exact same 25% off offer. World market. Yeah. Just stop. I know. It's so like many days every day. It's the same discount. I'm like, um, no. Last chance. It's never last chance. Yeah. It's always last, you know? So I think it really takes some like time and planning to figure out how to make it effective. And what is actually most effective for SMS is a lot of personalized offers, which require a lot of segmentation, setup, thought, strategy. And, you know, so many e-com brands, unless they're at the 50, 60, 80 million, like they have tiny teams. So they don't have someone, their email person is too busy to do email and SMS, and they don't have someone to dedicate towards segmentation strategy and all that stuff. And so I think it's just like a lift thing right now. But, you know, I encourage brands to use it as much as they can because it has really great ROI and it's a really great way to get the like cart abandoners, you know, sell to people who have purchased from you and been happy in the past. It's a huge opportunity. So so we just need another dashboard. I know. That allows you to do all these things at once without <laughs> all this SMS. coordination. Come on. I mean, we track SMS through Triple yeah. but yeah, you can't place ads or send yeah. emails or texts. And I don't think we'll ever go that way because... We link with people like Clavio who do that. But yeah, it's it's definitely worth investing in if you haven't. Yeah. Okay, what about direct mail? What do you think about that? Ooh, I also is, think that's a huge opportunity. A Everyone's home. People are opening mail. Maybe they're excited. Maybe not. Since all every maybe the past two years has burnt them out with mail. I don't know. But I feel like there's some good strategies I get every once in a while. I'm like, that I actually wanted to open. And that was a good presentation. And I at least thought about it. I don't know if I yeah. bought it. It's really interesting. One of our clients, Avi, a collagen women's supplements company, like they crush with direct mail. They have a provider that they use. I wish I could remember the name of it off the top of my head, but now they target me with their Instagram ads, which I think is funny. Um, but they crush with direct mail and they sell both in GNC and online. So their direct mail has go pick it up in GNC offers as well as online offers. And perhaps it's that two-pronged strategy that works for them. I don't know. I'm so like jaded because I'm a marketer, right? So as soon as I get those things in the mail, they immediately go in my recycling bin. But I think part of that is so many of them are like really poorly designed. Yeah. Like they look janky. And so people are immediately like, this is basically the equivalent of my inbox spam. Yeah. So I think if it's well designed, it's beautiful. It's like exciting. There's possibility. I've also seen the rise of these companies that like send me like an envelope with multiple different brands on the front and they're mm-hmm. a bunch of different inserts with a bunch of different offers. Yeah. You um, like those? I don't know how I feel about them. I'm not I don't sure know about what the efficacy is of them, but they always have pictures of cute dogs in the front. So they I always open them to see if yeah. like I'm going to get a cute dog <laughs> thing for my dogs. Okay. Fair. Um, haven't gotten anything. Like I think maybe there's been like a chewy coupon in it that yeah. I've used. I think heavy things. But, like when something's heavy and like, this yeah. must be valuable. It means something. Yeah. And those are heavy, which is totally a thing because they have like a billion different inserts in them. But then you're watered down amongst all the other inserts. So I don't know. It's it's interesting because it's also really hard to track unless you're giving a very specific coupon code, QR code to scan to a specific page. You know, we haven't totally like gotten the data on the ROI on it. But basically, like if, you know, you're having trouble scaling, I'm all pro trying something that you haven't tried yet to see if it unlocks, you know, a new base for you. 
when it comes to all the dashboards that you guys have and all the data, are there any metrics that you show that a lot of people are like, oh, I never thought to look at that. I mean, it can be high level metrics. You're like, if you're not looking at these things, like everyone should look at these things. I know once you get into different, you know, companies and industries, it's all very custom. But yeah, are there any lesser known metrics or ones that maybe you provide that were pretty hard to get before other than accuracy? Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, so I will say anybody can go in and create a custom metric on Triple Whale. So if there's something specifically that you want to see or you read about online and we don't offer it, like you can find a way to build it, which is kind of neat. I think the one that I hear the most about is actually NCAC, which is new customer acquisition cost. A lot of people think about like their CPA, but I would say a lot of advertisers are very like ROAS forward. So like they just want to know their ROI. And I think NCPA is really viable because you need to think about the whole picture. Like, yes, how much does it cost to acquire a new customer? Then what is that first AOV? And then what is their LTV going to be? And so unlocking that piece of data for people has been able to get them thinking a little bit more about retention marketing, um, about getting away from like the churn and burn of, you know, just direct response, getting people in whenever they leave, they leave. I'll just go find more. I think that's been really helpful. And we've had a lot of people tell us that once they set up Triple Will and the NCPA is there, they're like, whoa, this is way higher than I thought it was going to be or, you know, 2x what I had calculated that it was. And I think that's been like a huge growth lever for people figuring out how they can, you know, really turn their customers into customer advocates and, and brand advocates as opposed to just, you know, they bought something, whatever, I'm moving on now to somebody else. Love it. Love it. Okay. I want to hear a bit about I mean, I know we were talking about creative and ad strategy and how you have some takes on this or just general ideas of like what makes good advertising or what is actually working. So when it comes to that space, what are you seeing right now heading into 2023? Like what's working or how do you think or how do you advise your customers when it comes to like creating good ads? Yeah, I will always say like there isn't a formula. There isn't a best practice that will work for everyone. Every industry is different. And then every like consumer demographic is different. And then the way that they engage on the platforms is completely different, right? What I will say in terms of general trends, and this is kind of my hot take, my soapbox is, I would say in the past six months, everyone has gotten really excited about this this UGC concept of, you know, people interacting with products, saying that they love them, et cetera. We're at the point now where consumers know what UGC is. They might not call it UGC, but they're like, this is basically an influencer talking to me about a product. Who knows if they actually like it or not? And so I will say, if you're still running UGC and you're seeing success, that's awesome. But what you probably have is really authentic UGC or like white labeled UGC from someone that, you know, like a huge TikTok creator that people just kind of blindly are like, she likes this makeup. I'm going to try it, right? My whole philosophy on ads and contextually, you know, I've been running ads for the past five years and I've been through various ebbs and flows of what does and doesn't work. Right now, customers know what ads are. They see ads everywhere. There's display everywhere. They get emails. It's on every social platform. At this point, they just are like, just tell me what you're selling so I can tell you if I want it or not. And the reason why that's valuable as an advertiser to know too is because with the decreased efficacy of targeting, you essentially don't want people to click who aren't going to be interested in purchasing anyway. So you might as well just go product forward, go bold and bright with your advertising and like tell people what you're selling so that you save yourself money and you know, you can also optimize your own advertising experience in better showing the platforms who actually wants to engage with your content. We don't have to fake it. We're we're just selling but a lot of brands again. still are. I mean, I'm, exactly what you're saying. I see brands still doing that where it's like you see something then pop up. They're just trying to get your attention quickly. I'm like, you're wasting your money on me. I cannot do that anyways. And there's yeah. no point in even trying to get me into that funnel. So, I mean, I, I love that take of like, just 
show me what you're trying to sell me and let me decide if I want to, but don't waste your money on me. Yeah. I always tell brands like, by all means, if you want to come up with some sort of neat hook, do it, but use your product in it. Don't do some random like water splash hook and then go into a, a product, you know, that is about like water bottles or something like just tell people what you're selling up front. So in those first three seconds, I do encourage you to come up with a cool hook. But for example, I was working on a podcast with some folks the other day in which they were talking about this men's hair color product that's like a D2C brand. And, you know, a minute and a half into this ad, this guy does this really cool thing where half of his hair is still gray and then the other half is brown. And he's combing through the color to show you live like how it works. Show me that. Like show me what the product is and does in the first three seconds and if I'm interested, I'll let you know and I'll click. And then kind of with that, I would say a lot of the older principles of like what makes someone visually interested, you know, quick cuts, bold and bright, crispy imagery, that kind of stuff still applies. And I was chatting with some folks on Twitter this morning that we three of us had actually run tests in which putting yellow and lime green borders around ads captured attention of the right folks and like really got people to click through better. Uh, now and I know why like, my friends on Instagram are putting little yellow borders around. I mean, they're my marketing friends. Yeah. They have little <laughs> yellow borders around their profile pictures and you yeah. think there's a story there and it's not. Yeah, it just okay. gets people to click. Yeah, it's like, mm. ooh, what is that? Ricky. I have a, a friend, very hot, who's like a big thought leader on Twitter, but his whole thing is like make ugly ads. And truly, like if you make an ad that looks like an ad and it's ugly and stand out enough, if somebody's interested in that product, they will engage with it. But if you try really hard to sneak into their feed, they're actually going to be more likely to bypass it because it's probably not interesting to them on their feed, you know? So that's my hot take. I like that. That's a good <laughs> hot take. I think everyone should listen to that advice <laughs> for sure. I would say definitely don't sleep on consumer psychology as a whole. So um, we were chatting before we started rolling, but my background is in teaching. And um, I learned so much about how the brain develops, how what sparks an emotional response, that kind of thing. I think we get so in it. You know, we're just making these ad creatives. We're writing this copy. We know what our product is and does. We kind of get on this like hamster wheel of our own thought. Sometimes it's really important to step back and like audit your data, look at who your customers actually are. You don't need to create like a customer persona document because you'll probably not actually look at it anyway. But, you know, look at reviews for your product where people are really happy and really unhappy. Look at reviews for your competitor products on Amazon, on the internet for where people are really happy and really unhappy. Dig into the customer psyche. And when you're feeling kind of creative burnt out, advertising burnt out, marketing burnt out, steal ideas from those places because you're really, you know, taking it from the customer's mouth. And often those things are the things that help me reinvigorate brands and, and get them back. And also just kind of thinking about, you know, like what is the real emotional response or what is the real purchase point for a customer here? You know, they're buying the hair care product. It's not because they want to dye their hair. It's because they're insecure about the fact that they have grays or they want to look younger, something like that, right? So making sure that you're thinking a step deeper than the obvious answer when you're putting together your advertising so that you can really reach the core of what's causing people to purchase. Yeah. Yeah. That is a theme that I've heard over and over again on the show. Almost probably the past five guests have talked about <laughs> go into the reviews, look at how they're talking about your product and yeah. use their language in your surveys and your new product development. There was this one guy who he was talking about, oh, it was figs. They came on the show yesterday and they were talking about the material, how the customer actually doesn't know how to describe the material they make for veterinarians that are like waterproof. And so instead of trying to tell them the material name, they just said, you know, that waterproof material yeah. for the figs that you wear, like, do you like it? And they just talk about how they just completely use the customer language in everything they do, every new product and how, yeah, it's vastly changed. Like 
every piece of their company just by doing that. So that's the a little good thing things, too. the little hacks. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, Alexa, this has been super fun having you here, getting to hear everything you're up to. I can't wait for your TV show to come out. I'll be heavily promoting it and watching it, binging it, popcorn, all the things. So love it. <laughs> until next time, where can people follow along with you and learn more about Triple Oil? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Alexa Kilroy. And then Triple Oil is just tripleoil.com. But thank you so much for having me. This has been so cool. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.